Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. What's up, y'all? I'm Davior. And it's Jasmine. <laughs> and this is Stories of the Streets. As always, Stories of the Streets is sponsored by the New Black Collective, Black Scent, Change Waco, and Rogue Media Network. And today we have another special guest for y'all. Um, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm Adam Moore. Um, I, uh, you want me to say a little yeah, bit about yeah, myself? Yeah. 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 So um, I, uh, I do a couple things around town. I, uh, I, I'm the editor and founder of the Lost in Waco magazine, uh, kind of arts and culture magazine in town. I also coordinate um, a local storytelling event called Analog. Um, and so just kind of interested in and uh, involved in some of the kind of local arts. What's going on here? Yeah, going on in the city. We got a, we got a little taste of it. We got to <laughs> work with Adam. He, um, had, we, we got the opportunity to be in the most recent issue yeah. of Lost in Waco. Um, thanks again for that. Hey, thank way. you guys. Yeah. Um, I know you've gone into, I know you've already gone into like why you started Lost in Waco and stuff like that. But for the listeners who don't know you, you know, why did you get into Lost in Waco and analog and stuff like that? Yeah. So, so Lost in Waco started, uh, I mean, really the, none of this was planned. It just kind of happened over time. So in 2015, I, uh, I, I fixed up my dad's old kind of road bike and I just started riding it around town and, uh, just kind of for kind of stress relief or, you know, just, uh, you know, to just for something to do and just starts exploring Waco. I had lived in Waco for, you know, quite a few years already. Um, I've been here since 1998. Um, but, uh, but really you just hadn't ever gotten out and explored the city in that kind of way. And you explore it differently on a bike. And I started just taking some photos uh, just on my phone. I didn't really think anything of it. And I was like, well, maybe I should start an Instagram account and start posting these photos. And so uh, one day I just posted the first photo. I was like, what should I call it? I don't know. And I, I put something like, uh, I ride my bike in Waco. I get lost. I take pictures along the way or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I called it Lost in Waco. And so I did that for a couple of years and uh, kind of built up a, a following. And uh, it really just changed the way that I saw the city to to explore and see the city in that kind of way. And and so on kind of another side of things, I started getting interested in kind of print publications and uh, I had kind of stopped doing the the Instagram for the most part. And so I was like, well, what if we just kind of spun this off and, and did a magazine that that also was kind of about getting lost in the city, exploring new new areas of the city, uh, maybe exposing some of what is not as um, often talked about in the city. Wow. So that makes sense. Yeah. And as for, and then as for analog. The yeah. So analog, you know, I guess what I have realized about myself without 
you know, like I said, doing these things and then realizing it afterwards is mm -hmm. that I guess I'm interested in stories and storytelling <laughs> and because uh, that's, you know, that's what Lost in Waco does in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But uh, but analog, you know, I had done some projects a number of years ago in Waco that did a little bit of personal storytelling. And I always thought, like, this is really something I'd love to do more of. And so a few years back, uh, I was sitting in Pinewood and I was looking out at their that little courtyard area that they have at Pinewood. And I was like, oh, that's the place to do it. I love it under the big oak tree mm -hmm. there. I was like, I want to get people around there and just tell stories around a common theme. And so it's true personal stories from people's lives uh, around a particular theme. So David, I know you, you know, you've, you've yeah. participated in that before. And so we just have different themes and uh, invite kind of people who I think just are maybe interesting people who I've come across like on Instagram, like mostly I like to invite people who I don't really know. Yeah. So like, I think I just reached out to you on Instagram. I was like, Hey, <laughs> you know, I don't really know you, but maybe you'd be interested in doing this. this. Is yeah, yeah. And so, uh, that's how I've done it with most of the people. Yeah. And it's just been kind of a magical thing the yeah. way that, uh, and, and it's resonated with a lot of people. So true. No, I definitely, I like that word magic. Cause I definitely, I, I get that, that feeling like it's a really, I don't know, just real calming, real just informative like thing to me, especially when I first like got on the Lost in Waco because a lot of your um, pictures and stuff like that. I remember one you took of a house and I think you like talked to the person who owned the house and they told you a little about the history of it and stuff like that. And then when we were doing the Lost in Waco shoot, like you stopped at that building and were like, oh, you know what this building is? It used to be a temple and stuff like that. And it has all this like this history yeah. and knowledge. I'm like, this oh, is yeah. cool. Yeah. I, I was, forgot about that building. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was going through um, my camera. I was looking at stuff to try to figure out what I could like keep and delete. And um, I got all of it, you know, already on my computer. And I came across that video when I was going through everything. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's only telling a story about the, the temple. And I was like, yeah, like this will that'll be a good episode. Like, this yeah, is how to add on. Just because you, just, you know, you've, did you, you find these things out like you just from being in Waco and stuff like that. How do you how do you figure all this stuff out? Is it from talking people or is there like a is there like a Waco history database that we still know about? <laughs> well, there are some people doing some cool stuff on on uh, Waco history. Um, I know there's a Waco history project or something like that. They have an app. I think it's maybe based out of out of Baylor somewhere, but they ha they do some really cool stuff. Um, but but really, it's just kind of my own curiosity with that building. I uh, it was really just as I was riding my bike around, I came across that building and it was just so weird because it had, you know, it had like multiple layers of like previous, um, you know, uh, signs that had been on the side of the, of the building, like paint that had been painted on there. And, uh, one of them was it like, there's, it's this building over on Elm. I guess it's on Elm. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, kind of not far from, um, from like the river and, uh, it uh, it's the one that has has like a little bit of a mural, and I think it had like a um, like a black cowboy on it maybe or something like a, and then but that was like the mural, and then uh, it had there was a lettering that said Planned Parenthood on it, and lettering that was really faint in the background that said like Muhammad Temple. It's like that's weird. What is that? And so I I found the address of the building, and I went on this w website which is like a can totally suck you in for hours called, <laughs> uh, called uh, newspapers.com. And you can search like, uh, you know, a hundred years of Waco newspapers. Oh, and wow. so I just put that address in there and was able to find out this information. Like it used to be um, like a part, like a, uh, a um, uh, nation of Islam temple. 
And it had like a couple articles about that in there. And I was like, wow, this is really fascinating. So it's kind of just curiosity and paying attention uh, to what's around you. Cause there's like history all around us mm-hmm. and stories all around us and mm-hmm. people all around us that have their own stories. And so just trying to pay more attention to that. Uh, and I guess, you know, that's, that's something that I've just grown interested in and uh, through analog, through Lost in Waco, wanting to, to do more of that. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I didn't. I never heard of that. You said newspapers dot com. Yeah. yeah, I get stuck on there too. Yeah, oh, I've never heard of this. Like, I got crazy. there on accident. I was looking for something <laughs> for Black History Month one uh-huh. year, and I was like, "What are these articles?" And they have like pictures and everything. Yes, and it's kind of cool. And I'm just like, "Okay, I gotta get over here." I feel like that's stuff that I wish we pushed to have normalized more. You know, like you know, we don't really focus on our local history and the stuff that goes on locally uh, enough. You know, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I I think you chose. Also, kind of retroactively, the perfect time to do this stuff. Like you know, social media right now is really big on people telling their own story. Like yeah. everybody is the narrative, the, you know, the yeah. narrator on their own story. So you essentially kind of just widespread that, like you know, between both analog and Lost in Waco, because Lost in Waco isn't just you know your Instagram account no more. You're actually like you know focusing on people. Like you did a story whole story on us, the Black Sandy, yep. Black Collective, and then other people also like musicians and stuff like that. And that's I think that's cool. It's really dope. You don't have a lot of people that. um or just taking time to do stuff like that and yeah. just creating this real comfortable um, environment, you know, to really just network and get to know each other and just, yeah. yeah. There's people 10 years from now and they'd be like, oh yeah, I, I accomplished this because Adam Moore, you know, <laughs> lost the way. Like that's a cool, that's a cool thing. Oh, and I, I mean, you guys are a part of that too. I mean, what you're doing with the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I, I love that. I'm, uh, I'm just all about bringing on people to, to tell their stories that maybe we wouldn't otherwise hear. Yeah. I got you. I mean, appreciate you coming on too. Oh, for sure. Um, do you? Is there any like new analog events that's planned? Do you have any um like the the book four coming soon? Are we getting a book four? Yeah. So we're we're starting. So the uh, Lost in Waco. The idea, at least for now, was to do it twice a year. And right. so we're starting to work on the next one, the fourth fourth issue. Excited about that. Um, we're you know we put out a magazine, uh, like in a pandemic. We started <laughs> a magazine in a pandemic, which is you know, not the I- ideal scenario. Uh, we, I, I got the first issue of the magazine, like, you know, 20 boxes of magazines in my car, like a day or two before like the world shut down <laughs> in 2020. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then, you know, the plan was to put them in local businesses. All the businesses were closed. Like yeah. it was just, <laughs> it was not what we had planned. Yeah. Um, but like the, the last two years have been awesome. Like how it's all come together and worked. Um, and I feel like we have a really good momentum and good thing happening. I feel like there's a ton of potential with the magazine. Uh, but we're getting to this point where, you know, to take the next step, we probably need some some more help. And so I'm trying to kind of bring in some different different people uh, just to help with some of the some of the administrative stuff that comes with running that. And uh, and so trying to do some of that right now as we start looking towards the next issue as far as analog, like I'm, I'm so bad about like scheduling them regularly. I love doing them so much. It's just one of my favorite things to do, but um, I don't have one on the scale on the calendar right now. I had been looking at planning one and it kind of fell through. And so then I just have, I need to pick it up again. Uh, maybe get one going for February or something. Very cool. Yeah. Other than that, do you have any other projects you're working on? I mean, that's, those are the big things right now. I always have like, uh, my my problem is probably having like too many ideas mm-hmm. in my head. You know, I think you guys know that uh, uh, about yourselves too. And yeah. so, um, 
you know, I'm always thinking about ideas and things I want to do. But of course, the challenge with that is like, you don't want to do too many things where it's it's all kind of watered down and you're not doing anything as well as you'd really like to do it. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, you know, right now I'm trying to focus on those two things, <laughs> which is a lot because, you know, I do. I also I work full time at Baylor and, um, you know, these are just side projects for me, you know, things that really just kind of give me life outside of my you know eight to five job. And um, but uh yeah, I really want, I have a lot of ideas too for analog. I really want to grow that. And I think there's just a lot of potential there. There's been so much, um, there's just been such a great response to it as far as people coming, people being involved in it. And uh, so I want to do that more. I ha- like I said, I'm not good. I haven't been good about getting that out there more often. Mm. Um, but uh, but I'm excited about what analog has. I want to, there are a couple of things I want to do. I want to start having occasionally some uh, like guest hosts. Mm. So c- with analog, the idea has always been like, I want to somehow bring in people to tell their stories, their true life stories. And, um, and hopefully it's a, a diverse, interesting mix of people. So if, and so if I'm just asking the people I know, well, then most likely it's going to be a lot of people who are kind of like me, you know? And so I think that's a lot less interesting. And so, uh, my idea is how to like broaden that circle of people who are telling their stories at analog is what if I invite kind of hosts to come in and then they are a part of inviting the guests for that night. And Mm -hmm. so hopefully it just like takes it a couple more steps removed from me, you know, opening it up to more people who I don't know who can come and tell stories, who can come and be a part of the event. So I'm, I'm wanting to do that, wanting to get that out into more locations. So, you know, some of the events that we do are like big events with a lot of Mm. people, like the the one you were at, like it was at Pinewood. Almost didn't have enough room for it. Oh man, I mean, it was so packed out there. It really like, it was probably too many people, but, (laughs) but I love that because it like felt like there was so much good energy in there and like it felt good. But, uh, but then I also, we've done these smaller events where that are like intentionally smaller, where either we do tickets uh, or we do, um, we like announce it like the day before or two. So it's just kind of this pop-up event. Yeah. And, uh, and then that naturally just kind of means less people are probably going to come. Yeah. But I love like the intimacy of an event with like 30 people. Cause mm-hmm. that, that's a much different feel to that than, than the one with a hundred people. Yeah. Now I really love them both, but, uh, so I'm wanting to do some more of those smaller events too. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think that's a that's an easier vibe, especially people right now with everything going on with the pandemic. Yeah, there's a lot of people who you know get turned off from you know big, huge like yes. you have to be there events. So yeah, you know yeah. it's kind of a little harder to get people to go to that right now. Yeah, which is weird because we never really shut down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that and that's been a challenge with analog too. You know, we we didn't do an event for a, over a year. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, you know, for that first year of the pandemic. And then we, we've done a couple of events since then, but it's just like, you know, it looks like, okay, things are going much better. You know, let's do it. And then all of a sudden, like, oh my God, you know, (laughs) so it's tough. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and draw it and put it back. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, I think it's, it's, it's challenging for all of us. I know even just with us planning to do the the photo shoots in the yeah. last issue of the magazine, everything mm-hmm. is like frustrating and crazy right now. <laughs> yes. And it's a lot. And I always, um, I wondered, I didn't know that when the pandemic started, that's when you got the first print. So I'm just like, I don't know if I would have kept going. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know if I would have kept going with the magazine because it's like, that's kind of discouraging, you know? And with what, they're, with what you're trying to do, like, it's very hard. 
So I'm like, I commend you because I'm just like, no, I think I would gave up, uh-huh. especially with like we saw the process of what it takes to do the magazine, and then you're working with different groups of people. Yeah. No. no no that's a lot but i think it's great that you started that because a lot of people wouldn't have um any space to tell their stories because no one was making space for them so i thank you for that because i know that nobody would have been like hey like we would have never got a call from the waco one or anybody (laughs) like hey all y'all want to be on the same magazine spread Yeah. Your story about y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that would have never happened for us. I did um I did one small interview with um Kevin Tankersley. Yeah. He went to school with my dad in high school. I didn't know that, oh. but I was just like he was really sweet, but he's like one of those people that makes space for others as well. Yeah. And so it's like those those things are important to us, no matter how small or how big they are, because somebody's reading our story. Somebody called us from that one little small interview with him, and I was just like, oh, I didn't know people read this. Like, you know, and we get followers. I, I don't know how we're getting followers on Instagram. We're not active. <laughs> but it could be because of your magazine. I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> Every time yeah. I get on, it's like notifications. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know where they're coming from, but thank you, you know. And so those things do matter for us because then we get new people to understand what our missions are and, you know, how we're servicing the community in different capacities. So we appreciate that you don't have to do it. Oh, well, it's I, I mean, that I love to hear that because I mean, that's really that's what I want to see. You know, I'm really interested in hope, hopefully giving space to people, to groups, to just good things that are happening that maybe are a little under the radar and not everybody knows about. And so hopefully it just gives you more exposure. Yeah. I'm like, okay, followers, <laughs> make some donations. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, though, when uh, I. Uh, there were definitely some times early in the magazine where I was like, um, maybe this was a bad idea <laughs> or maybe <laughs> maybe we're not going to be able to keep doing this. You know, when you uh, when you do all that work that took to get to that first issue and then you can't give it to people. But yeah. but I'll tell you what what saved us was we just started putting posting on Instagram. Now, everybody at that time, that's when we were like pretty well locked down, you know, and and so like most people are at home. They don't have anybody to do. They're not seeing anybody. And we're like. Hey, you know, if you if you donate twenty five dollars to the magazine, we'll come deliver one to your house, and like all of it, we had this huge response, and so we delivered like over a hundred magazines around Waco, oh, wow. and it was it was really cool because like everybody who we went and gave one to, everybody's being like real careful because nobody knows like what is going on in the world here, and and uh, but they were like so happy to see like another human being <laughs> <laughs> who was like there to deliver a magazine yes. to them. And so that actually gave me a lot of encouragement and, and, and hope to, to go forward with it. And so like it ended up being like an awesome, you know, first issue release. It just didn't go anything like we thought it would. Yeah. <laughs> I find that's kind of the beauty of a lot of stuff because like we never planned Black Sand. No, no, no. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was yeah. never planned. It just kind of just happened. And I, I think that's that's how you know that it's kind of um, – like a, a higher power at work, you know, whatever, however, you know, people you yeah. know, deem, but like, yeah, there's some, there's something that's kind of meant to be about it. If it just works out, despite the fact that whatever you thought was going to happen, wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And yeah. then whatever <laughs> happened wasn't what you planned, but it still kind of worked out, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, what kind of, yeah, I know you mentioned that, you know, it just gives you life aside from just your regular job and stuff like that. But like, what really motivated you to kind of just like, um, I want to start doing this stuff like, pro community because you really could have kept it more so like really just 
people you knew or you know whatever like that like yeah. stuff that you found interesting but you really kind of branched out i'm like no i want to include more people i want to include all people you know and just yeah. tell your stories so what kind of motivated you on that that front well i guess a couple things so you know one was like you know truly i know it sounds kind of crazy but like riding my bike around waco like it really just changed the way i saw things mm-hmm. because it just opened you up to like the history and the people of our city that, you know, all of us, like, have our regular pathways we take through the city, like the, the roads that we usually go down, the neighborhoods we go through, the yeah. stores we go to, all that kind of stuff. But that's, like, such a small part yeah. of the community. And so as I just saw, like, more and more of just what Waco, what included, what Waco included, I was like, you know, I, I want to um, provide a space for, for more people to see those kind of things and hear those kind of stories. And yeah. so... You know, that was a big part of it. And then uh, I've always just been kind of interested to, too, and create, like, especially with, like, analog, with creating spaces that are kind of unusual. I mean, I don't <laughs> think there's anything else quite like analog, at least in Waco. Mm. And um, it maybe makes people feel a little uncomfortable even. You know, it's just like it's uh, – but it it allows us to kind of see each other in new ways yeah. and to have, like, a collective experience that maybe changes us in some yeah. way. I mean, that's like when I, you know, analog's so encouraging to me because I go and um, I, I'm just like blown away by the stories that people tell. Yeah. Like I, it's just things I would never imagine. I usually don't know what people are going to say beforehand, <laughs> you know, which yeah, is a little yeah. bit scary. You know? like, yeah, go up and say whatever. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But, and, but then sorry. like everybody gets to experience that together. And, and so like, I love podcasts, but I, you know, and people have mentioned at times like, Hey, what if analog is a podcast and like that? And, and part of me is like, yeah, let's do it. Like, it'd be awesome. But, um, but the other part of me is like, I just love the experience of having to be there. You know, like the only way that you can have that experience is to be there that night when it happens and then it's over. And it's kind of missed out if you didn't get to make it. Yeah. yeah. And like everybody who is there, you know, experienced something that was a one time thing. Like that'll never happen that way again. Yeah. And I just think there's really something something amazing about that, magical. Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, speaking from somebody who performed, yeah, like uh, it, uh, I didn't think too much of it. Like then, I think I was like just so just anxious because I yeah. was so like afraid of messing up. And my mom was like, "You're gonna write something, right? Like you know, I'm just gonna go up there and just like talk. Like you're gonna have <laughs> like you know something of a basis of what you're gonna say." I was like, "Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll figure it out." I didn't figure it out to that day, so I was like, <laughs> really, I was really stressed out before I went up there. Um, but no, like the, I think the, the main thing that kind of motivates the, the, the love for it and kind of just the piece of doing it is the fact that everybody's kind of there for the same goal, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, nobody's really there, you know, to, to nobody's there cause they don't want to, I'm not going to say nobody's there cause they don't want to be, maybe some people did get dragged by a friend or a family member or whatever, sure. but it's just like, you know, we're all the center essentially talking to each other about ourselves and it kind of felt really freeing to just kind of let almost a, a bunch of strangers in on something that like you know I, I yeah. you know kind of keep close to heart it's kind of it's, it's freeing but it's also it's a little it's a little weird a little yeah. freeing a yeah. little, little peaceful a little therapeutic like it's it's a really like surreal experience and that's I, I really like the analog event that's why i have to had to ask if you're doing any more um because i yeah that was a cool i definitely want to go to another one you know? yeah yeah, yeah. Def- definitely we'll be doing more you know the best way to keep up with is follow the the analog waco instagram account yes. and uh um, you know, we'll be putting information out there about, you know, when we're doing it again. That's true. That's yeah. true. Um, 
You got into your motivation, your motivations a little bit. Um, what do you do with Baylor? If you didn't, if I'm okay to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I'm an assistant director of a program in the Honors College. So I do kind of a variety of things. I I do advising with students. I usually teach a class each semester. I uh, I work with like just all the administrative stuff for the program. Gotcha. Everything from like admitting students to working with our alumni, just yeah. all that kind of thing. So you probably took a lot of that to help you, you know, with, uh, you know, putting together Lost in Waco and um, Analog. Was there was there stuff prior, like, to this or to, like, you working with Baylor that you did, like, in the community or stuff like yeah. that? Or, like, this was kind of your first, like, break into it? So, uh, like, 10, 15 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, something like that, uh, I, I started a group in Waco. Uh, it was called Void Collective. Nice. And... Um, and this was this was like my first like big, kind of scary creative thing to put there out into the world and to work with other people on, and what it, it was it was focused more on like um, on faith matters of questions of faith, mm-hmm. uh, but per, especially like faith and doubt and questioning. Uh, it we called it a non-confessional. Um, we called it non-confessional in that it wasn't like any particular religious confession. It was more of a kind of open, free space for uh, for questioning and exploration. But it was kind of a, a a performance art event. So we it was like an hour-long event that was a mix of like music and reading and uh, personal storytelling and um, kind of visuals and art and like, r- like ritual kind of things. <laughs> like I know that sounds kind of r- crazy, but like involving people into like actually do things. But yeah. it was, so it was, it was even crazier than like analog. It was a <laughs> totally bizarre thing, but it also like caught on. We did it at the old, I don't know if you remember the old uh, Treff's bar that was on Austin Avenue and uh, they had this up, upstairs space. And so, I mean, it was just this really bizarre thing. And, uh, but it was great. Like it mm. just gave me that taste of like bringing people together around something to have this kind of experience and uh and i knew like i wanted to keep doing that kind of thing yeah and working with others like that's always been an important part for me is i am so i'm not i don't i'm not like a painter or a musician or a photographer really like i don't uh uh i'm not i don't really consider myself an artist i consider myself a creative person but what i'm really interested in doing are like bringing together uh various kinds of people to meet like um to to make something happen so like if i have like a vision of something that i think would be a cool event or a project like bringing people together with different skill sets to make it happen and so like uh, with analog it's inviting all these different people in to create this experience that i couldn't do just by myself with with lost in waco like i you know i can't create a whole magazine by myself i you know i have you know, there are the writers, the photographers, the people who are like subjects of the stories, like trying to bring all of that together and like see this vision become a reality. That's the thing that really um, gets me excited. And I feel like it's something that I'm good at doing. And so like that first project, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, that's like, that was the first time it was super scary. Like it took me like a year to actually, you know, start doing it. And, uh, but then when it started doing, I was like, oh man, like I got to keep doing this. This is, I love this. Gotcha. Oh, future. Sorry, I had a question. I lost it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there trying to hold on to it while you were talking. And I was like, I'm going to lose it. Like, I know I am. Um, dang it. Oh, do you have like a, a favorite 
not really a favorite event or maybe just kind of favorite story, just favorite experience with everything that you've been doing. Like, yeah. uh, just maybe like a random thing that happened while you were out, you know, lost in Waco or just like, you know, something like, you know. Yeah, let's see. Uh, there was a, uh, I don't know why this one popped into my head. This was just kind of funny. I thought was, uh, I, I, uh, when I was riding my bike around town, uh, the KWBU radio station, like they, they had interviewed me and did this little story on me. And, and one of the things I said in the interview was, you know, I've been riding my bike around town for like two years and I post all these photos and I have all these people following me on Instagram, but like nobody's ever stopped me while I'm riding my bike around and yeah. said like, Hey, are you the guy who does lost in Waco? And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm just kind of surprised. And like the day that that, uh, that that ran on the radio, I went out that evening and I was riding my bike around. I was downtown somewhere and I had stopped for a minute. Maybe I was taking a photo or something. And somebody came up to me and was like, oh, are you, are, are you, uh, are you the guy who does Lost in Waco? <laughs> and I was like, what, did you like hear it on the radio today? Yeah, yeah. She's like, she's like, no. I was like, I was like, okay. <laughs> and so, uh, but yeah, that was kind of funny. But with, um, with analog, one of the things that come, like there are with, there are just these like stories that people have told that have, that have just stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of them, you know, one of the people who works with me on lost in Waco is, um, is Wendy Gregg. And, um, she, uh, she told a story. We did an event called the darkest night of the year. Mm. And it was, uh, the winter we did it on, it was the winter solstice, uh, you know, the longest night of the year, mm -hmm. you know, the day with the most darkness. And so, um, and I invite people to tell stories that had something to do with like darkness. And I love it when somebody comes with like a kind of creative um, or different perspective like on, on it. it. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, she, she just talked about how like she, um, you know, she's talked about this, you know, before, but about how she, she deals with uh, narcolepsy and she has sleeping problems. She doesn't sleep well at night and different things. And, and so she said, you know, sometimes at night when she just can't sleep, she would go, and just walk around downtown at night and talking about right. how in the darkness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, but just talking about how like she grew to like need that, that literal darkness and how that, that time, like, you know, was important to her. And, and so like, I don't know, I mean, just like different stories that have, have people have told just like, just stick with me. I got you. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of that's kind of beautiful. And yeah, I, I really like weird, not a weird way because I can't. I don't want to judge it, but like, 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 nah. Um, you say that to somebody, somebody like walking around downtown, like, <laughs> like, like, no, I would yeah. never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. And then you have somebody who deals with you know issues like that. I have a friend who struggled with nar narcolepsy and stuff like that. Yeah, and um, yeah, and that's it's different for her. It's a peaceful thing to like. I weirdly enough, I kind of prefer like the night like I, I feel like the evening and like the night times when i thrive like thrive yeah, the most yeah. i don't know why but there'll be times where i like will be super tired and i just don't want to go to sleep just because i just kind of love the energy of just like night you right know? right even though it, it can be super spooky <laughs> like this weird sometimes yeah there but, was there was another one that same event so we also do a uh like a little bit of open mic time yeah. at the events and uh someone came up and and I, I thought this was just this one's all, it really stuck with me too. Is um, he uh, he had spent some time in jail, and he talked about how when he was there, there was always a light on it. They like they never had total darkness, mm. and how like 
when he, you know, got out, like to be able to actually have darkness was like so, uh, so like so good, yeah. you know, to like it, to, to not have any darkness at all yeah, yeah, yeah. And like how hard that was yeah. and and i was like oh man i just never thought about that you yeah. know and so uh, yeah it's you just, never you don't ever really get it you kind of mess with your night and day like right. in, a, in a big way you yeah. really don't know the time that you you know what time it is like you don't yeah. know what's going on yeah i got you that's a never thought about that either that's a yeah that's a cool that's not, not a cool perspective that's a different perspective too yeah um as you got anything I was going to ask a question, but I didn't want you to lose your train of thought. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> um, so with your, what do you hope to, I know we kind of spoke on a little bit, um, but kind of with, with what you, the projects that you have that, that have been long term, um, what do you hope to accomplish or like what's your purpose overall for those things? Yeah. Well, um, I hope with, I hope, you know, with Lost in Waco, really just hope to, continue to be able to tell more of these underground kind of stories and uh, hope that we can, uh, you know, I think my hope with it is that actually really with both of these projects is that it gives people a broader vision of what is Waco, right? So all of us, like I said, we have kind of our small worlds that we go through every day mm-hmm. and, you know, we interact with mostly the same people and, you know, that's just normal. Like that, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's yeah. just like the way it is. But you know, what it can do is keep us from seeing all, everything else that is actually going on around us, the different kinds of people, the different kinds of things that are happening that we just don't know anything about. And so my hope with both of these projects is really that it broadens people's perspectives and and mindsets of what Waco is and who Waco is and, and that it's more than our own, our, you know, any one person's individual like daily experiences. Uh, that it's bigger than that. And to like, hopefully that that spurs on people's curiosity to get outside of their normal ways of doing things and experience more of what's going on around town. Not true. Yeah. I think I had, I'm, I've been in Waco since like fifth grade and I don't know, like I still find stuff that I just like never noticed before on the, yeah. literally on the street behind this building. I don't know what street it is, but there's like a, like a big, huge, like Freemason, like temple or something like that. I've oh, yeah. Not, yeah. I never <laughs> noticed it. Like, I've never it noticed it. It was so many of them. I was like, and I've been, like, I'm 30, and I'm just like, <laughs> like, where did y'all come from? I saw them after you told me. I, yeah. like, drove around. I was just like, whoa, well, like, y'all are here. fully suited and booted, too. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it was so many. I was just like, this is amazing. I've never seen. I didn't even know that that was, like, I saw that building over there when we first started recording here. But I was just like. Y'all really exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is not a myth. But the <laughs> other building, <laughs> that, that kind of this monumental, like it's like break. huge. Like yeah, yeah. Like, like I was like, what is this? Like I've never seen this building before. It looked like a synagogue. I was yeah. just like, okay, yeah. y'all are present, very present. We <laughs> see that now, but it's so cool because, like you said, you don't know, and it's like I think the thing that people. M- the misconception that people have about Waco is that it's nothing to do. It's nothing to see, but that's not true. I've taken some pictures in Cameron park and people are like, where is that? And I'm like, yeah. I'm Waco? I was in Waco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's some really, really, really beautiful places in Waco. Yeah. And like you said, like that building on Elm street, like 
the one that I remember every time I'm talking to people, I'm like, the one with the wheelbarrow guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what was this building? And so I talked yeah. to Miss Doreen that uh-huh. was, you know, um, what is the Cre- Creative Arts Festival, mm-hmm. and she told me what the building was. And I was like, I had no idea that was a, a theater. Oh, wow. And so it's like all of this history, and I'm just like, okay, like this this stuff is cool. Nobody ever taught us this, but right. at least I'm finding out. So it's 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 interesting. Yeah, just and that, have to explore. Yeah, and that I mean that history, like it obviously affects who who we are as a community today, mm-hmm. you know. And so, even like understanding things like that, I think it matters. It makes a difference because everybody's just like the wheelbarrow guy, yeah, <laughs> the, wheelbarrow, yeah. <laughs> the, the building with the wheelbarrow guy. And I'm like, that's not just the building. And I didn't know that it wasn't just the building. Well, mm-hmm. that was you know because I had I had so many experiences like that when I was riding my bike around Waco, like coming across something, be like, what? Where did this come from? You mm-hmm. know what? It, and one of my favorites was actually the first time that I I saw the um um oh now Ira Ira Watkins uh, mural that's on true Jamaica. Now this is when the true Jamaica building was like an abandoned old restaurant. Like there was nothing there. It's called blues. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. There, and so, uh, like the first time I drove around or I, I rode my bike around and I saw like the backside of that building, which has like the mural of everybody, like at the table eating and like their, you know, kids playing around and all of this. And, and it was really faded. It's he's coming and uh, touched it up in the last few years and it looked it looks great but when I saw that I was like wow like there is obviously like so much history behind this and like where did this come from and wow. who who did this mural and I and so again like I got on Google and but his name he had written his name Ira Watkins and I had never heard of Ira Watkins at that time uh, but he's done other murals in town and uh, I I went on Google and I was like oh I'll just search Ira Watkins Waco and like it, the first thing that came up was an article in the New York Times oh, wow. where they had profiled like a number of kind of um, uh, underground kind of artists in the San Francisco area. And he had that's where he had moved. And and it was actually a community of like some of them maybe were homeless or had been homeless, but they were artists and and uh and there was like a photo of Ira Watkins in there with some of his art. And I was like, man, this guy's like, uh, for real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then so every, so like for a while then after that, everybody I was talking to was like, hey, do you know anything about this mural and Ira Watkins? And so yeah. and since then, uh, he's been in town and I got to talk to him a little bit. And cool. uh, he uh, but yeah, there's just like so much right around us that we just don't don't realize is there. Yeah. One of my um, I don't know. I thought about this is kind of relevant, but. Just in terms of just the history aspect of, you know, chronicling what happens to certain things. There's this building downtown. It's literally right next to Union Hall. Matter of fact, it's the it's the new apartment building slash like Waco Running Club. Like whatever oh, right. they've done with those two buildings. But um the building that was on the corner um by the light, that building used to be run down. And, you know, it was, it, the homeless people had started, you know, going in and living in and stuff like that. Like a full apartment building that nobody used. And um, during high school, uh, it's probably around, probably still my junior, senior year. Yeah, it's around senior year. We used to be able to, like, climb the ladder for the building and get to the top of it. And, you mm-hmm. know, take pictures on the roof and stuff. And the way that the building is set up, the alico is, like, right to your, like, kind of angled to your yeah, left and stuff yeah. like that. And um, now it's, like, a completely, you know, redone apartment building. You can't just climb to the top no more. And, you know, people actually live there. You know, it's just got cleaned out and redone and everything. And it's kind of like... It's cool because, you know, it brings, you know, you know, more, you know, living opportunities and stuff like that for people. 
Um, you know, I'm pretty sure it helps with union halls, business, you know, whatever. Like, it, it, it's a yeah. cool thing. It's just kind of crazy because it's something that I can attest to. Like, I'm like, I, yeah. I was here, like, back when that building was, you know, run down. Nobody was doing nothing with it. It was kind of like a little, kind of like a little monument for people in my, my little age group. Because a lot of people knew about the building. Like, yeah. they climbed on top of it and took pictures on it. And then now you can't do that no more. So it's kind of like a moment. You know, that's kind of, this kind of got captured and kind of went. So I, that's a, that's a. I think about like when I think about Los Angeles, it's like how you're able to, you know, you catch something, you're just like, oh, that's interesting, and when you find out more about it, you find this whole new story that nobody probably knew about, you know, nowadays, yeah. and it's kind of I like that. Yeah, really no, cool. it makes just the other day I was I was scrolling through like the old photos on Lost in Waco from like 2015, 2016, and and uh, like some of the places that I take photos of, like you can't, that's not, it's either not there anymore or it's been redone or you know whatever and and of course like there's all there's all kinds of things to talk about about that right yeah, like yeah, you yeah, know yeah, uh, yeah, and so, like, get me started yeah and <laughs> it's like so it's it's awkward i go to a lot of places and i'm like okay and you're like well this building was here this house was here and it's all grass Dude. and dirt yeah. or yeah. something is already built on it and yeah. so it's kind of weird even in baylor it's just like yeah. Okay, where'd they come from? And I don't think that we realize, like, to us, oh, you just took that picture, but it's like years have gone by and people have developed this area, and it's like, oh, wow, like, when did this, me, I'm like, when did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, the whole area of I-35 in East Waco, it's where my church was, mm. and it's non-existent anymore. Right, right. And I'm just like, wow. The neighborhood, I don't know how they kept the little neighborhood over there, but that's still there, but church is gone and my church was like right in front of um I'm gonna forget the name of the cemetery. How I don't know. What is, is it called Greenwood? That the cemetery that's off of I thirty five that they were re redoing, quote unquote. Like they put <laughs> up a gate and all of that. Like that cemetery that they've been working on yeah. reconstructing and making nicer because it looked horrible. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I forgot what it's. Oh, is it called? No, it's not called. That's not Oakwood. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> yeah. But they've been working on that, and that's where my church was. So it was church, cemetery, neighborhood, and I was just like, it's just so it's weird. Yeah, I want to say it's called Green. Green. I don't know. I'm Google it because <laughs> I'm gonna be like stumped out of like, what is Bother this cemetery? What is it called? It. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just weird. There's just like there's no like simple narrative to uh to describe like what's going on like it's there are obviously like there are good things happening but then there are consequences yeah. for those things you know and uh you know i hope the hope is that we're that we're that we're thinking about what those consequences are yeah. without just doing just things. doing doing all of this without thinking about who it's affecting and uh so yeah i mean i think it's a it's kind of a complicated time in Waco right now with all, I mean, you drive through downtown, there's just like construction everywhere yeah. and hotels going up and yeah. all of this. New and businesses. And yeah. yeah. And like some of this stuff, like I'm so, like new business, some new businesses that come in, I'm like, yeah, like yeah. I, I, this yeah. is great. I love this. Or I love this particular like brewery or, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. But it's like, oh, but there's also this bigger thing going on that's yeah. affecting communities of, of people, people. Yeah. and, you know, how, how, what do we, it's how a do real we do that? Sweet feeling. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. a concern for me. Just, I don't know, because I work in real estate Yeah, <laughs> and I'm always like, these people aren't going to have anywhere to live. Right. And 
they can't afford to go anywhere where they or the, where there is space to live. And it's like they're being pushed out with no options. And I think the saddest part, but that, that cemetery is called Greenwood. Mm. But even that that whole area over there, because it's by McLean, that's where my family is from. That's mm. a and yeah. So <laughs> it's really a battle. They're always getting letters from investors. Mm. People are texting them. I don't know how they're getting their personal cell phone numbers, but they're being harassed. They're being sent letters. They're being lowball. I'll give you $40,000 for this house. And I'm like, that's not even the appraisal amount. Yeah. And so it's just it's kind of sad because you think about it. Everybody like, oh, there's gonna be things to do in Waco, and it's like, but everything comes with the cost. Yeah. And the reality is, if you don't already own your home, or if you're not established, it's gonna be hard for people. Like you said, it's great, but what about the long term effects? You're gonna have so many citizens that are displaced because they can't afford somewhere to live. So mm-hmm. then the homelessness rate is gonna go up. Yeah. Um, and there's no like they already don't have space for. A lot of the people that are homeless. <laughs> right. And I've, I've asked people, like, you know, what what are the alternatives? Well, they can only be at the shelter this amount of time. And I'm like, they can only stay with you. I think they tell me so many days out of the year. And I'm like, mm. so y'all don't want them on the streets. <laughs> you don't give them a place to stay. Like, there's no, there's no resolve. And I think that's one of the larger issues that we're going to have yeah. in Waco is a problem that already is a problem is going to, be potentially worse within the next five years. And mm. people don't see that rent. People are already complaining. Yeah. I'm used to it because I left home when I was 18. And I lived in, I, like, I've been in DFW predominantly since, you know, I've been an adult. So most of my adult life is things cost money. Yeah, But everybody doesn't have that mindset that I have. And so to take people who are used to paying $700 rent and right. make them pay $1,300 a month, they're like, uh-uh, what is yeah, this? It's just yeah. gone up so fast. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. And then the, 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 the tax rates. Right. Everybody, they can afford it if they budget well. Right. I'm not going to make excuses for people, but everybody does not understand how taxes work. And a lot of them stress because they think that they have to pay everything at once. Yeah. And they don't realize, you know, you can, there's sure. ways that you can pay it at a pace. Yeah. Because they're always being conditioned to think, lump sum and if you don't pay this i'm kicking you out of your house even though that's your property and it's already paid off so uh, i don't know i'm like you there's a lot of things to consider like it's great with all of these people coming but if the jobs aren't paying yeah then it doesn't it doesn't matter because the economy is not going to be good anyway because the people can afford what rent or mortgage rates there are because mm-hmm. the companies aren't paying the money because yeah. minimum wage is still 725 yeah. i just don't now, I, mean, this I could is, never. It's <laughs> just an, you know another example of why we like we need this broader, bigger vision of the city because if all we're thinking about are like ourselves and the people we know, we can think like, well, it's you know it's not really affecting me, you know, and yeah, it's costing me a little bit more, but I I'm I'm okay, I can do this, you know, I'm glad that we're having these new things and everything, mm-hmm. but it's like, but yeah, there are so many other people who maybe are being impacted more than myself, that you don't know. and yeah, and so. Hopefully, I mean, I know it's like like the magazine analog. These are like small things, right? But but I think they matter, you know. And and you know, if you start to see like a bigger picture of the city, perhaps, then maybe it helps you to see these kind of issues in a different way. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, it's just there are people and communities and things going on just like outside of my world, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and I need to pay attention to that and think about that right. and uh, and. 
you know, there aren't easy solutions to these no. problems. No. <laughs> uh, but no. but maybe we can at least, you know, acknowledge them and, and the try and work together. Yeah. 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 I think that people don't understand either. Although you're okay, it's still going to affect you eventually because the people that are losing there's going to increase the crime rates. Yeah. Like people are going to be stealing and yeah. burglarizing. Like it's everything is going to affect everything. But I don't think that people see it that way because like you said, they live in their own world. But I'm just like, somebody must be in your bushes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, for you to walk like it's because at the end of the day, people like we're the way we're wired is survival and it's sad, but it's true. And it's like, you're okay until those people that are displaced, start to be like, well, you still have what you have. Yeah. I'm going to take what you have. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that people look at that on a broader scope like, yeah, you're good for now. Yeah. <laughs> but then when when it's too many incidents happening and too many calls going into the same operator for the same police station and there's no people to dispatch to all of these different things, then what? Right. And I think that that's, that's the bigger picture is what, like, what are y'all going to do in the next five to ten years when – not that the city doesn't deserve and should not grow. I firmly believe that, but I feel like there's a lot of things that could be done better. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> better handled because yeah. it is going to start to affect everything because everything is like an ecosystem. And yeah. I don't think people remember that when they're doing things. Yeah, yeah, everything affects everybody. Yeah. You know, we're all, I mean, it is a ecosystem, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. We all had first brought it up. I thought about how many people have been, like, documented to move. You know, to have been documented to move to Texas. Like, so many people from California they and need stuff to like stay. that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I will tell you I'm originally from California. But <laughs> <laughs> One of my no. best friends is, too. But y'all got here early enough. I was about to say, yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> you came when we were children. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fine. yeah, when you said you were here in 1998, I was like, ah, let's take it. <laughs> <laughs> I was born. Um, I wasn't even in Waco yet. But, nah, yeah, that that is... I nah, consider you a Waco one at this point. I didn't course. know that you had been here that long. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just like, no, you're it's it's I think it's the influx of people yeah. migrating here and then the tax rates and inflation and all of that. Like it's all I'm just like, please stop coming to Texas. Well and it's and it's easy for people like that too. I mean, obviously we're like generalizing, it's not everybody, but yeah. like people who come in and they're like oh, I'm going to do this great thing for this place that they don't know anything about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know? and, yeah. and not everybody does that, you know, but uh, but it's easy to do, you know, and and that doesn't, uh, you know, that certainly doesn't help matters. It yeah. just feels like, did anybody ask us if we wanted them here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like, uh, thank you, but no thank you. Yeah. I, I feel that for a lot of people, especially in lower income neighborhoods, because I know that they're planning to tear Kate Ross down already. And it's like those places that are like government assistance or Section 8, whatever it is, whatever it's called, I don't know, Section 8 yeah. housing and things like that. Like when they tear those places down, then where do they send them? Right. And not that those are the best places. I'm not going to sit and say, but there, it's still somebody's home. And a lot of those people that live there are older people that have been there for 20, 30 years. Yeah. And it's like, how do you, I don't know, how do you uproot them with no solution? So, I don't know. Maybe it's just questions we need to... Do they, do they um, stream the city council meetings? <laughs> Look, I think so. drop some yeah. comments. Yeah. So, what are y'all going to do about this? <laughs> <Almost> <laughs> problem, yeah. Well, yeah. And what about this? You know, I think we... I, uh, you know, one of the things, getting involved in the city over the last several years, like, I have gotten to know different people in leadership and so on, and I am, I am glad that 
other people are having these conversations and uh, and talking about how do we, um, you know, how do we think through the best way for development to happen and so on, you know. And that's good. Like, I have been encouraged that people are talking about some of the right things. The problem is that, obviously, like, the way our world works is, you know, the people with the, the money, you know, they kind of have the power, yeah. and the people without it don't. And so it's, it is, even if there are people with good intentions, right. it can be really hard to, to do the right thing. Yeah. And, um, and, and, again, like, doing the right thing is not simple <laughs> also. And so, yeah, it's just a really tough scenario. But I am, I am encouraged that there are people who are pushing some of these conversations and asking some of the right questions and, and, uh, and hopefully there's smarter people than me who can uh, <laughs> figure these things out. Right. It'd be, I'm not going to say it'd be impossible, but it'd be cool if there'd be, uh, if y'all could do like an analog event one day with homeless people, mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, yeah I, I know it'd be super hard to coordinate. Like how do you track down these homeless people and then a show up to this event on this day? You know, yeah, it'd be super hard, but that, I fight that be a, if something anything like that that I fight that be a super powerful just move like hey like here goes some people who are legit on these streets and they're gonna talk to you about what's going on like oh you yeah. know yeah um, well you know that is the I, I, that is the kind of thing I'm interested in where like you know if I get to know someone who's a part of you know whatever kind of community you yeah. know and you know then having them as like that guest host is like okay now you can open up that world to yeah. me, you know, cause I don't know those people and, but I can help create this event that where space. they can yeah, create that space where they can tell some of their stories. And so, uh, that is something I'm very interested in is like, you know, different, you know, as I get to know different kinds of people around town, a part of different kinds of communities, and then they can, they can decide like, Oh, what would be a good theme for us to talk about? And, you know, they can invite people. And, yeah. and, and so, uh, I do want to, to do some of that in the future. I think it would be, I think there's a lot of value to it. Gotcha. Uh, always keep us in mind. You know, if you, yeah. Yeah, I was about to, to say, that would be yeah. a good opportunity for like us to volunteer. Cause I, I would think that would be a great opportunity for us to do like community something. outreach and like yeah. give back, give them food or something. Because that, I think that would be the best way. Hey, you know, you get yeah. to be somewhere warm, you get a meal, just come tell your story. And I think that's important because I think one of the misconceptions is that homeless people choose to be homeless, and I don't think that that's true at all. Why do you yeah. choose that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think that that's true. A lot of them don't. Now, there are some of them who are like, it's easier. I've heard people say it. But a lot of them, like I said, they're displaced. They don't have the money. Yeah. They don't have the money to pay the car note that they were, you know, the car they were sleeping in. So the car yeah. gets taken. Yeah. So when your car is taken, where else do you go? You don't have anywhere else to go. And I think that it's important that people hear their stories because nobody ever gives them the opportunity to tell, you know, the why, the how. And a lot of them are really sweet people. Yeah. And they're they're not seen that way. So I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I'll tell you, one of the things that was influential for me coming to, so I came to Waco to go to Baylor in 1998. And my very first Sunday that I was in Waco, my roommate was like, Hey, I heard about this thing. We should, you know, we should go to church at church under the bridge. And so I went there my very first Sunday and, and then went there for the next, you know, uh, two years, especially. And it had a huge influence on me, you know, being just sitting under the bridge with all kinds of different people, you know, and, um, I got involved some with mission Waco at that time. And those things were really influential. Um, you know, just, uh, it just exposed me to a world that, you know, I didn't really, hadn't been exposed to before. 
Yeah, it was important for me. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna plug Jeremy because I was like Jeremy and Mentor Waco goes down to the hangar every Sunday. Yeah, oh, yeah. And that that'd be the first people I think of to like, you know, ask like, hey, like you know, like yeah. can we can we start talking about you know doing something like that? But no, that'd be dope. Because they they like f- they do food and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. literally every yeah. Sunday. I, yeah. I, it might not be. I think it's every Sunday. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, that same. I'm pretty sure it's the same place. It's like under the bridge. Um, they call it the hangar and have a little like little um garden area stuff like that like it's just a little i wish she i wish people built that up more like i wish that was more of a normalized like thing that we knew about like it'd be cool to have something out there for the homeless people and like they did have a garden but it kind of just died out just because nobody was really able to take care of it and stuff like that and then jeremy was telling me how like there's been times where the police will literally come out there and clear all the homeless people out and it's like it's mm-hmm. under the bridge like what are they hurting you know yeah. but we'll talk all day if we just keep going <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you did mention you know oh. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you got anything else? Uh, plug yourself. You know, shout out your your handles and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, So, uh, so I'm on Instagram personally at Adam D Moore, and uh, you can follow Lost in Waco. You know, on Instagram, Analog Waco on Instagram. Uh, if you are someone who's interested in being a part of any of these projects, like, would love for you to reach out to me. Um, you can connect with me on Instagram or email me. Uh, my email address, uh, which my email address shows shows I'm a Waco in too. So my email address is adam.waco <laughs> at <laughs> gmail.com. So I guess whenever I decided to get it and make my email address Waco, I was like, okay, I'm here now. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, reach out to me. You know, I'm always looking for people to get involved with these these projects. Yeah, I appreciate you again for coming on. Hey, thank you. Um, and you love, love what you guys are doing as well. So. Oh, thank appreciate you. that. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, I love it. It's nice. It's fun. No, I don't have anything else. All right, cool. I think that's it. I bet. Um, as, al- as always, I'm Davey R. And I'm Jasmine. We can be found on Instagram at stories of the streets underscore, Facebook, stories of the streets. And we can be emailed at stories of the THA streets at gmail.com. Thank you. <laughs>